All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, episode 43. We are in the off season, but the news has not stopped coming. Uh, I'm Bobby Bancroft, joined by Casual Hoya Andrew Geiger and Bed Standing from The Athletic. And guys, today during the Bancroft nap time, Mac McClung decided that he's going to test the NBA waters. What waters are there even to test? Thoughts? Uh, so... My thoughts are, you know, I'm kind of surprised at the timing, but really more so because I thought it would have happened sooner to when the season ended. My thinking is that, well, because obviously there's no downside for him to test the waters, get some feedback. I fully expect him to be back at Georgetown next season, if only because, I mean, he's simply not ready for the NBA. I can't imagine any team would actually draft him at this point. Um, I'm thinking, though, that maybe the timing had something to do with his foot finally healing to the point where he's ready for workouts, uh, which I guess is somewhat encouraging um, that it's not an injury that perhaps would require some sort of surgical procedure to heal, especially considering we never really found out what the injury was to begin with. Um, but big, big picture, I think it's kind of a no-brainer for him and really anybody else uh, to get some feedback from those at the next level. and. Uh, I'd be very surprised if he's not back at Georgetown next season. Ben. Uh, well, I'll just say that I tweeted the other day, like I keep seeing this run of guys declaring for the draft, regardless of who they are, whether the projected first round picks or like McClung, I agree. It's a, uh, you know, a testing waters and likely he would be back. I'm just amazed by the optimism of these young kids. Cause you just said he's ready for workouts. Like, what does that even mean in, in the current situation that we're in with the NBA draft. I mean, who knows when it'll even happen. It could not, it may not happen for a long time from now. And it will be interesting on some level while we're all saying, I assume Bobby is agreeing as well, that McClung will be back. Like if this thing drags out and recruiting goes on, who, you know I mean? Like at some point the schools are going to have to make some calls like, Hey, are you coming? We need to know right now. Are you coming back? Um, but either way, I'm, I'm props to the kids for just moving, moving on in life. They're going forward with, declaring for the draft and working out for teams when I suspect that will not be happening anytime soon. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, if this was a normal year and we thought he was going to get to make, you know, the, the tour as Ben is always there covering the wizards, you know, guys are coming in every week in groups of three groups of five, they're working out, they're finding out what they need to improve on. That's not really happening. So why, why even, why even announce this? Um, and that that's not even to get into what is McClung good enough at the NBA level, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, you know, he is a volume shooting guard that shoots under 40%. He's about a 30% shooter from three. Obviously, he can dunk out of the gym. Um, he just seems like to me like a pretty good, a, a guy that could be a pretty good college player. But even after, I'm not sure what he, they always say in the NBA, there's like, what's one thing they can do? Ben, what is his NBA thing? I would say, I mean, you mentioned the you know the the dunking, there's the athleticism, so there is that 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 will at least to a degree give him a chance to play against much bigger guys. I honestly would say his number one trait, based on having watched him now for this time, swagger is that that guy. What's that? Swagger. Well, not exactly, but I was going to say just his energy. He, okay. he is always going. He 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 very rarely, you know, he's not one of those guys where you question, like, wait, was he out on the floor during the game? Whether he's missing shots or whatever, he does play with a lot of a sustained energy. And that's not something that, you know, you can – I'm not I'm not even making some standard NBA jokes they don't try because obviously I don't, I don't believe that. But, you know, look, I don't try every minute of my life. <laughs> so, so when you see people at their job perform at a – energy energy wise at a consistently pretty good level that's not nothing again i don't think that means you're getting drafted especially considering the defense you mentioned the shooting numbers although i would think shooting can improve but yeah there's definitely more a lot of liabilities in this column but i would say the energy plus the athleticism would be the the hope if somebody's really looking to uh take a big swing uh, take a swing with him there are a, a lot of leagues out there where um being an energy guy who can't shoot and can't play defense might have a role. I don't think the NBA is one of them. <laughs> There's yeah. also, you know, I mean, as this, you know, 
as our situation in the country and in the world, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. You know, is there going to be a college basketball season next year? Like, is it going to start on time? Like, there's all kinds of different, you know, parts to this. We kind of talked about the NBA part of he doesn't get to work out and all that stuff. But, you know, there might be some guys that decide if I'm going to be stuck not playing basketball next year, I'd like to at least be doing it somewhere where I'm getting money. I don't know if that's a factor at all as well. Sure. I mean, look, there's a lot of uncertainty, just as you mentioned. Um, you know, I, I think they can do workouts in the sense that you you could have some sort of socially distant workout set up. I don't think that's that difficult. Should they decide to, you know, move forward with the draft? The thing about the draft is, um, and I think Ben was kind of alluding to it, I mean, if this season doesn't start up again until June yeah, I mean, you're looking at and doesn't end until July or August. Um, you know, you're right. The, the draft is going to be right up against when the next college season would start, assuming it starts on time. It's going to be an interesting thing. I, I, what they probably would end up doing is just suspending some of the rules that are in place right now with regard to workouts and such. Um, you know, the deadlines for – uh, when you'd have to make decisions whether to come back to school. It's going to be very interesting. Um, but I think in a universe where coronavirus was, wasn't going around, if this was a normal situation, I still think that there'd be no chance that um, McClung would show anything or, or enough to, to warrant getting drafted. The uh, I'm going to forget, I'm sure, here, but two things I just thought of as you were saying that. One, you still have – I mean, the coronavirus thing, you – in order to have a real test, I mean, unless he's being, you know, they, they put a broom on a chair and he runs around it, you actually have to guard right. somebody or play against somebody. So that, that you know, for, right. for, for a guy like him, like he actually needs that. He needs to show that athleticism against, you know, more established guys yeah. perhaps to show, hey, he can play. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is like recruiting, right? I mean, like typically we're talking about recruiting going for the, for not for this incoming season, but the next season, but not completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we're obviously they, they have signed guys. In this, you know, spring period ahead of the year, Otto Porter being one of them, as I recall. How do you even? Know? I mean, again, I'm assuming that Georgetown believes Mac McClung is coming back, but for other players who may be playing this game, who knows, right? I mean, you can't. How do you? How do you? How do you know what, what to do? And sure, we'll get into Georgetown. Already has a bunch of holes, um, or depth holes uh, at least. Uh, with, with what's going on, so to, to lose, you know, if hypothetically, or to, to even, uh, you know, think about what a world without McClung would be like. Wait, now, now what do we do? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's also much reason for optimism for this Georgetown squad as is currently constructed heading into next season. McClung leaving, should that happen? Uh, you know, I, just another blow. I mean, you're looking probably at a ninth or tenth place finish in the Big East. That, regardless, next season, I don't really see how that how that turns unless the Hoyas end up with some sort of impact transfer uh, in the next month or so. Just my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I think you know. I know Ben and I talk a lot. You know, outside of the podcast about just probably the best thing about college sports, college basketball is guys get better. And when you do look at McClung, I feel like you look at a guy that looked like he was going to get better every year and he might stay in college four years and that might happen. Um, so I'm not trying to say that he's not a good player, but I just think there's a difference between being a good college player and being someone that has a legitimate shot at the NBA earlier. I put out, I ranked the Georgetown players with current eligibility that I think should test waters my list was your seven, who I think is doing that based on his Instagram. And then I put Pickett, and then I said, that's the list. Is there any – is there agreement on there, disagreement? I mean, I think if you told me Jamarco Pickett was testing the waters, I would be like, okay, I get that. Like this, I just don't really get. Well, well I mean, is Pickett not? I mean, we don't, maybe, we maybe don't, he we don't will know. be. Yeah, but you're right. He should be because, uh, again, there's really no reason not to. Um, yeah, McClung to me is the prototypical four-year college player. Yeah. So, 
Um, look, unless there's something going on at Georgetown that, you know, we don't really know about with him. Uh, again, I just think this is a, an educational thing with him to get some feedback. I, I just can't imagine he's not with Georgetown next year. And th- this would have all of last year's class leaving early. So Akinjo's gone, LeBlanc's gone, Carter's gone. Your seven, technically part of the class, technically has eligibility. You know, we never thought he'd play a fifth year gone. And as the McClung, you're like, wow, like running five guys in 18-19 and they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I, I think we all agree. If we, if we all had to put, you know, if uh, if I was in Vegas, I think Andrew likes to think I am all the time. Uh, then we all had to put bets on yes or no, whether McClung would be back, regardless of how high the odds were on the yes side, you know, that's where our money would go if we, uh, if we were all in. So I suspect there's not much to worry about, but it is a fascinating thing again, more so because of the, 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 the society situation than the actual, ah, oh, screw it. Let me just try it and see what happens. Um, you know, the, the, that happens all the time and, and that's fine. And, uh, yeah, and you know, the flip side of the scenario that uh, you both mentioned with this NBA draft and maybe guys deciding, hey, screw it, you know, maybe I will stay in the draft and then wind up backing out at the last minute, is that maybe Georgetown can actually end up as homes for some of these kids that their current schools are no longer able to fit. Um, you know, because they, they fill their class with, with recruits and such. Who knows? I think it's going to be an interesting landscape uh, for both the NBA and college basketball uh, in the next few months for sure. Without knowing what McClung does, do you think from the Georgetown fan angle of this, it's just sort of like, why does the school that I'm rooting for seem to both, one, not be very good currently, but two, always seem to have guys leave where they don't at other places, right? Like like Marquette gets Marcus Howard to stay four years. Seton Hall just had Powell for four years. You know, Georgetown couldn't even get four years out of LJ Peak. Um, Marcus Derrickson, who at least, you know, was probably a, like a legitimate NBA type guy. Um, you know, it you know, it just seems like I think Georgetown fans are thinking, like, man, you know, we're not good and guys aren't staying. Do you think that there's some of that? Uh, I mean, I, I think the coaching Mark change had in the twins of it. transfer, right? Yeah, yeah they did. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I would venture yeah. to guess almost everybody at this point is impacted by the transfer situation. It's nothing. Well, else. I'm talking it's, guys NBA, going pro, right? But I mean, that's, like, if you're if you're talking somebody going pro, I mean, it's you know, it's hard from. I don't look at that as negative on Georgetown. I look at that as these people think like I need to start, you know, my my the next phase of my life. Now, when they transfer, I put that more on the school. That, right, to well, me, becomes more more curious. And I, and I would just say on McClung, if he were to actually leave, and again, look, if, they, if he thinks this is what he needs to do for his life, who am I to judge? It's, it's a stance I did not have when I would have been in, in my 20s, but I do as an old person. Um, but that would be, I think, a devastating blow. I think, if, as you said, next year is going to be kind of tough already on the surface. McClung is at least the one fun thing they have. If you take him off yep. the team, oh man, that that would be a blow to not get four years out of four years out of it. Just from that aspect, I think it would be pretty rough. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. And I think if, if McClung leaves, then you know that that raises a lot of questions about about Ewing as well. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other issues with uh, the impact of the coronavirus and such on on coaching staff and and, and, and staff not willing to, you know, invest money perhaps in, in assistance because budgets are being slashed because the NCAA tournament didn't happen. Would you guys at this point be surprised if we returned every single member of our staff next season? It's funny you say that. I was talking to someone earlier about Georgetown, and I said, look, you know, I think next year is a lost year anyway if – you know, as a fan, your goal is to see them back in the tournament. So I think you're you're already looking at Ewing's fifth year. And I said the one thing that I would look for as a sign of hope is, you know, there's some shakeups on the staff in terms of a local recruiter. Things need to change somewhere at Georgetown. And I think it's already I think it's already been pushed off to year five of Ewing, which means next year. So whatever McClung does, 
are they gonna make the tournament anyway probably not but yeah i if they don't if if the staff remains intact i'd be surprised but i mean how no one's making changes i mean you saw texas come out the other day the ad you know came out very strongly in favor of keeping shaka but it was almost like because you know with the way things are with with the virus and such we can't you know we can't conduct a coaching search i mean how how is georgetown going to operate uh you know in this environment too i mean obviously the fan base wanted to see some shakeup on the staff but it doesn't seem like many coaches are are leaving um you know i i, I just haven't heard yeah Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, well, and this sort of connects to my point about all these underclassmen declaring. Like, on a very practical life level, I don't know the exact rules, but on the basketball team, I'm presuming they're covered medically, right? If you go declare for the draft and you're in the free world, guess what? You're on your own. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know where your meals are coming from. I mean, like, I, I would feel like staying in college right now, for all the reasons that I'm sure the three of us would like to go back to college, plus – there's the a lot of real reasons. life applications. Yeah, I mean the real life applications that all of a sudden, okay, you're off the you're off the books. We're, you're in the real world. You better be damn sure. And you know, we always talk about the one thing about basketball players is, you know, the NBA is not the only league in the world. There's lots of leagues that pay money. Do you want to be in those other places right now when we don't know this what's going on in the world? I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously there's issues. You know, there's questions about what the U.S. is doing during this. Uh, pandemic, but I'm just saying in general, won't you feel safer being close to home, close to your family, at least in, in, within the country versus God knows, you know, who knows where you, you end up, you know, whatever country you end up in. So, um, you know, I, I just think like, it, 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 it ties to your point about the coaching staff. How, how do you make these changes? I suspect some guys are going to be like, you know what, I'm pretty cool here. And, you know, even if you're Ewing, I'm sure you know people, but isn't the whole point of this like you go and talk to people, you know, you go to these various events, you have conversations. I mean, I don't know who is, who's having these, these thoughts. So I, I would be, I mean, I have not thought about it at all. And maybe you guys have, have read more, but like, I would imagine not much happens. Yeah. I mean, the events are gone. The recruiting events are gone this summer. Um, so, or pretty much, you know, at this point have been postponed and whatnot. So I just don't see an opportunity for Georgetown to make the, uh, some of the changes that at least the fans have wanted to see, uh, you know, I don't know if that viewpoint is shared amongst the administration or, you know, with Ewing and, or, or whatever, but I just, I don't see many changes happening between now uh, and November. Well, <laughs> does this wrap up the happy good time uh, portion of the podcast? Uh, I, I think it, it, at least there was a topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't, cons- I don't consider this to be an emergency podcast. It wasn't like it, it's news, but to me, this really wasn't entirely unexpected. It would have been more unexpected to me if uh, he announced that he was not coming back. But it seemed like he made it a point, especially in his uh, Instagram post. Um, to have that line in there, you know, while maintaining my eligibility, to me, this just, you know, is a almost like a pro forma thing that he wants to do. The, the opportunity is available for him to do it, and and so on and so forth. I think really what Hoyas fans should be more concerned about or focused on is how we're filling the remaining slots for next year. I see that we're involved in a number of recruitments for transfers and the like we already missed out on a few of the uh so-called better guys um but we're still in the mix for a bunch of others yeah, we'll see how that goes yeah i mean i i don't think i don't think georgetown is in a position to get one of the the you know the better guys the top guys because those guys are leaving you know typically a mid-major situation to go and play for you know much bigger, you know, fish, right? And at Georgetown, right. you're just coming here to, you know, maybe somehow sneak into the tournament. So they're not going to get guys like that. Like, that's why getting, you know, getting Allen was just unbelievable on a multiple, you know, for multiple reasons, right? Like he wanted to come home. They got really lucky. You're not going to get guys like, you're not going to get guys that have already been there, done that. It's, they're going to have to get lucky. Oh, by the way, right. I mean, 
Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, sorry. I was just thinking about this. Bobby uh, pointed that earlier. I don't know if you talked about it on the podcast, but you, you were telling me the other day that I guess Jeff Goodman put out a – he, like, contacted, like, all the D1 coaches and asked them sort of dopey questions, like, what's your favorite movie and some stuff like that. And, like, like the one guy who, like, didn't respond was Ewing, basically. Well, and, he apparently responded with no comment, which is even – Okay, well, that's, that's, even, <laughs> that's even worse. But my, my, my only point is we're all doing the same thing right now, right? We're, we're all stuck – watching the same television shows, movies, we're on Twitter, the internet, like we're just trying to find things. And I'm sure if I'm a college athlete, right, you're stuck. There's no, like you're thinking about transferring, you, you know, what, I mean, yes, the phone works or whatever, but like, you can't go to places. You, you're going to have to take a long distance view of, of, of different situations. Same with recruits. And you know what? Things like that are going to impact. As stupid as it may be in this time, I really actually do think how you present yourself out there in the, social media landscape or if you do interviews as he does occasionally, that stuff is going to have as a bigger impact than normal because you can't you can't meet face to face and have the wow, I'm talking to Patrick Ewing, how cool is this? So I, I, I don't know. I think that's gonna be something to uh, keep an eye on. Andrew, did you consider. see that? Did you see that uh list? Uh I saw the article, uh and then yeah, I think you were the one that tweeted out what I would have clicked on that link for is what to see what Ewing said. And I'm not surprised that there was a no comment. I doubt he responded as well as someone from the, someone from the school. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Yes, I agree. It's a potentially missed opportunity because I saw something, you know, with the virus that internet usage is like 25% higher now. So people are obviously spending time sitting around clicking on various links, uh, which might be a good segue into our, uh, March Madness and March Sadness stories. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people, well, I don't know a lot, but a bunch of people spent a lot of time on this, myself included, Andrew. Um, I know Andrew and I um, have different philosophies on putting out the two brackets. I wanted nothing to do with the sadness bracket, having been at most of the more devastating losses over the last 15 years. I didn't think it was a good time to go down sadness lane. Um, But I get why it would be fresh in your mind because during this time when, you know, CBS and CBS sports that are like, Hey, we're going to put out all these great old tournament games. Well, Georgetown is like, you know, what is it? The Washington generals in this like um, exercise, they just have like this huge playlist of, you know, just, you know, crushing losses in March so I get maybe that's why that it you know it came up as an idea. <laughs> um, I struggle a little bit with the idea of doing it because it's just it really is sad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think that um, it's sort of important to you know face your, <laughs> face your fears, face the worst <laughs> times in your life in order to move forward. The the sadness bracket for me is a bit more fun because. <laughs> You can, it's going back and seeing which, which losses were crushing. Again, it can be kind of cathartic to go back and really recall all of the losses and, and sort of trim them down to just a select few that are really bad. Uh, and I think going through this exercise, uh, it, it, it's been kind of fun to, to really like go back to the annals um, and read these synopses of, of these games, which, you know, really were, were kind of soul-crushing. I think the flip side, obviously people, you know, fans want to relive the good times, which I get. Um, I Maybe it's just me. I, I find the sadness, the cynical bracket a bit more entertaining than the madness bracket or the delusional bracket just because maybe, there, maybe it's because there really just haven't been that many reasons to celebrate lately. Um, but that might go into your point too. Like, shouldn't we then celebrate the times that we had together? So, so Ben, Ben and I were there for a lot of these, but particularly, so the dunk city region, which is up and you can go to casual Hoya and click on the sadness delusional bracket. So the dunk city region, obviously Gulf coast beating Georgetown, um, you know, Ben and I were there immediately afterwards. So I'm just thinking about what was happening to me. 
you know, I know Pete Thamel, Syracuse guy. I don't know who he was with at the time. He was loving his life. Um, I think Ben had to talk me out of like taking a bus home at like two in the morning. Um, we, I, I had we, to talk you out of taking hemlock. I think. <laughs> we, we, I think we, I did. I took hemlock. Yeah. We ended up staying. We. We ended up staying the night with some other um, Georgetown reporters at the time when Georgetown was covered like a big time team. Um, it ended up being a fun night. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so for me, like when you look at these things, you're, I, I just I remember all those things. And Otto had like his worst game ever in college. Um, I was like in the Flyers press box. Uh, <laughs> Pete Thamel, like I said, was having the time of his life. So for me, that's why. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the madness bracket for casual Hoya, which I think is a pretty good bracket. Um, but this one, depending on your level of what you can handle, it's a lot. Yeah, look, there's there's certainly a degree of masochism that comes with reliving bad times and losses. Um, but I think it's important for the fan base to understand the, the level of horrificness that we've had to endure. And it's been kind of entertaining to see some fans of other schools' reactions to some of these posts as well. They're like, ooh, yeah, that, that was bad. <laughs> you know, um, th- th- that kind of thing. And I, I'll ultimately, look, I think at the, at the end of the exercise, whenever th- it may be, um, I, think, I think it'll be a, a good experience for, for both brackets. Now, Florida Hoya had a pretty good um, question to us. And he asked, why wasn't the sadness bracket seeded in a way that a lot of double digit seeds would advance, which I thought was a pretty funny question. Yeah. And and there you go. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's the essence of a Georgetown fan at this point, right? (laughs) Your, your mind, your mindset is double digit seeds should defeat a, you know, a single digit seed because that's what always happens to us. So in looking at another, And looking at some of the other games up there, because, you know, when you think of the greatest hits, I kind of just go to the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, really what you might consider could be possibly, you know, years in the making, but it certainly didn't help that, you know, the March slide is that, so there it's a a 5-12 matchup in the Dunk City region, uh, Cincinnati 58, Georgetown 46 from 2011. That's the Chris Wright breaks his wrist or breaks his hand, whatever, whatever he broke. We don't know exactly. Um, but, you know, that ends up, you know, they go from probably being like a three or a four seed. They end up a six. They play VCU. VCU, we know what they did. They made the final four. And that gets, you know, cataloged in, you know, JT3 can't win games in the tournament because obviously they didn't win. But, I mean, good God, like that, that's probably pretty, that's, that's probably underseeded, right? Right, Ben? Like Chris Wright breaking his wrist. I mean, when you go back and really think of it, like that loss is a, that's that's huge. Um, for yeah, for sure. The Chris Wright thing is sort of a one of those things where it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to you know lump in with all the other stuff. You could also include Austin Freeman, um, you know, his medical situation. But but I, I will just say this: like over the years, having done many podcasts with both with both of you, Bobby in particular, I've been accused by people of being always negative with Georgetown. I've and never part done of that. that. Is, yeah, and part of that is because look, I mean, you guys are going through the list of all the things that are are, are problematic, and uh, I, you know, look, I I'm a Debbie Downer by nature, but like in these <laughs> trying times, like when Bobby told me about this thing, I was like, are you serious? Like, please don't don't go down disaster lane <laughs> at this point. Like, although I, I was watching the you know, CBS is replaying a bunch of tournament games, and today they had on the Villanova game. Like I'm not watching. I turned it off for a minute just to look at the court, but like I'm like I'm not watching this. This is like I I don't need the negative stuff. And I and I will just say broader when when we all come out of this, like this was I mean this was actually so this was like the weirdest year because it was negative on a lot of levels. No tournament, the players transferred, and so on. And yet it was it really ended on an uplifting note because of the way the guys battled. So I suggest. For whatever the rest of this duration is, just focus on that. Be happy. Don't don't dwell on the ugh stuff because we we've, we've all dissected that. It's all stuff stuck. Yeah, well, ben, 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 Ben. I don't know. You might have been in Vegas. You, you might have been in Vegas at the time, but I'm not sure you saw how Georgetown season ended 
this year. <laughs> now, I know. I, they, I understand the. I understand that game. I didn't mean like in the general context of nobody thought they were going to the tournament. So I get it, but so. But, but they, they, uh, there I is get, losing a, closing a game with like on the wrong end of a twenty-three nothing run is really not a good way to go. <laughs> I got I'm with St. John. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just saying. Look, I, I'm just saying. Look, there's enough. To, there's enough to depressing things out in the world. We, we've all gone down. You guys do what you want to do. Obviously. I'm just saying. For me, oh God, I relive those games so many times, and like, you know, the the, the older ones hurt me the most emotionally, as because that's when I was still a fan. Uh, but oh man, just you know. Everybody's going through enough right now. That's all I can say. So for Georgetown, yeah, yeah but here's, here's here's the thing. Here's just one one last thing. That St. John's loss in the Big East tournament, which I don't even know if it really counts or not. Uh, historically oh, it counts because of the way they are one of the does. only okay. teams that actually finish their season. Right, but does it count? I mean, I don't, I don't know. But but anyway, yeah. um, okay. So to give you a sense of how, with any to any other program, that would have been a Backbreaking, horrible loss to end the season and go out like that uh, for a senior class to go out like that. I don't know if that game is on the 64 team bracket <laughs> in our cynical bracket. Maybe it is, um, but that gives you a sense of how many punches we've taken over the years. Well, here's the question I would ask: Just to my, this is my minor participation in all of this. And now that we're getting further and further removed from those horrible the, the Gulf Coast and and VCU and all those losses, what, what would better? you take now? Go, yeah. Going through that, going through those seasons again, knowing that that is the potential, if not a likely outcome, but you're winning twenty odd games to be a two or a three seed versus what we've been what, what's been going on the last you know whatever it is five years or something with no tournament, uh, very little hope even within the season. And you know, no, no, essentially, no postseason. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to have some success. <laughs> right, I mean, but would you, you don't have any success? I, yeah. But are you willing to what? take those gut punches again? Uh, at this point, I'm immune. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I think I'd be willing, uh, I, but I, I would not go to the tournament games anymore. Please, you drove up to Madison Square Garden, even with or, or took a train, even with the coronavirus started, because you wanted to cover Georgetown. Get out of here. You'll be there. I have faith. I'm just, I'm just saying. When I went to the Ohio game in 2010, I woke up in Arlington at like four. I got to Dunkin' Donuts Center in the middle of the Robert Morris Villanova. I wouldn't do something like that again. I'll tell you that. For me, look, I've been in 2007 for that run. You know, I went to MSG for the Big East tournament, saw them cut down the nets in New York City, went to the Meadowlands for, you know, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. I've, you know, I've seen the, yeah. the the best that I think I'm going to see as far as the Hoyas go in my lifetime. And so all of these, these losses, uh, at this point, I, I just, since because I don't have any delusions about getting back to where we were, they all these, these all of these losses kind of have, I have the same reaction to it's like okay whatever. so be, I mean until yeah so because I've been deliberately avoiding the sadness bracket um, we have the Dunk City region what are the names of the other regions I have to you know I I have to go back and check I know that we're unveiling them as the as the regions I I can probably tell you that Ohio has a special region. Um, <laughs> Let me see if I Steph can Curry. Up pretty quickly. Yeah, there's I'm sure there's a Davidson region. Um, it's okay. I thought maybe you just had it off the top of your head. Yeah. Um so okay. So I did spend a lot of time working on the madness bracket, and Andrew, you know that I went back even further. I basically did it since I've been paying attention to Georgetown, which is Alonzo Morning when he was there. Um, we decided at casual to just cap it at JT3 until the current. And, yeah. you know, there's a ton of games to pick from. You know, I mean, there's there's been a lot, a lot of good times. And so I, I, 
I would say for Georgetown fans listening, go to Casual Hoya, check out the delusional bracket. That is the nice bracket. And, you know, that's where you're going to have some fun because I think Georgetown fans of all of all college basketball fans of programs that have, you know, won a title, you know, in the last 30, 40 years, it does seem that when the classics come out, when the classic games come out, it's always Georgetown losses, right? It's always Lucy pulling the football. Like, I mean, cause they've been just involved in, you know, 82, 85. And then if you go up and, you know, to the upsets recently, you know, so I do think it is good to have, you know, some place to go to remember the good times. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think someone on Twitter asked, um, you know, how come CBS isn't showing the 84 championship? That's a good point. Like, cause it's not the, like a nail biter. Yeah. But that still was a, you know, that was a, still was a great game. You know, the whole five slam pajama stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Relatively speaking in a decade filled with amazing title games, that was not one of the better ones regardless of the right. particular rooting interest. Right. So in looking at um, this five twelve matchup here, um, mm-hmm. you've got, it's the Austin. Well, there's a couple Austin Freeman games in my mind. He, it's not like Trey Campbell where there's one Trey Campbell game. Austin Freeman has a catalog, but the Austin Freeman game against Connecticut where he scores 28 points in the second half is matched up against the Trey Campbell game. And I think those are the kind of things that do, you know, obviously there's, you think of the UNC game, the Duke games, you know, some Syracuse games, but games like that, I think, get forgotten. And this is a good place to go and relive those those memories. Yeah, and I think uh, Howie on our staff, uh, NY Hoya, he did a really, really good job of coming up with, you know, 64 games to fit. You know, on each bracket, it's 128 games. It's really a quite a remarkable thing that he put together. Well, I guess we'll probably have him on the podcast um, to kind of just go over his thought process and some of his, um, his best memories while you and kind of his methodology and putting everything together with the seedings. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. He had a lot I, um, of games. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say he had a lot of stuff match up to what, what I did, but I'll tell you, and maybe, you know, as we're stuck in our houses forever, I'll come up with a post, but I almost want to what what this exercise made me do, and I think I submitted forty games. What this exercise made me realize, and I can't believe I came to this realization, is that maybe I owe Eshrick an apology. <laughs> um, be, because I think when you go up to anyone, and you know, I was at that point, I was in college, not at Georgetown, I was at JMU, but I'd grown up in the area, Georgetown season ticket holder, all that stuff. Um, I feel like most people of my age, I think, have the uh, have the thought of, oh, it was just like this dark time, and you know everything was going wrong. And when then when you look at it, you're like, you know, wasn't that bad? Like particularly yeah. when you look at what's going on now, <laughs> that's kind of like it was it was not an intended thing. I I I thought would happen, but for me, because I included games in my list of the Escher era, um, and of John Thompson Jr.'s last cup last ten years. But, um, you know, the Eshrick era, I, I think at some point I'm going to have to write a, hey, you know what, wasn't that bad? Yeah, look, I mean, there were some, certainly some memorable games there. You know, you had, you know, Braswell was a really good player. Uh, you had the, the four-overtime game against UVA. You obviously had the sweet, making the Sweet 16. Uh, I, I will remember that era <laughs> more from – you know, the Hoyas going to MSG and losing to a St. John's team that was com- compiled of a bunch of walk-ons. And they had a, like a, a center who, I think he was like bow-legged and couldn't even walk. And I, I was there, I was living in the city at the time. And to, so to lose that was just horribly embarrassing. Um, but then again, Eshrick was responsible for bringing, you know, Jeff Green and, and Roy Hibbert and, and those guys to, to George, you know, Brandon Bowman, some of those guys. So like, you know, he, he does deserve some credit in at least uh, bringing in some of the talent that JT3 ultimately rode to the Final Four. The, um, here's also the difference is that you're judging Craig Estrick up against the old man. And obviously that era of Georgetown was the you know, peak of all peaks. For, and uh, so, uh, like, it, it's, it's, uh, 
I, I don't want to get into a certain. I guess, I guess I'll just say this: like, in a certain, there's certain things happening in society that makes you appreciate things that happened more that never happened previously. That you were like, "Wow, that sucked," and you look back, you're like, "Ah," and in retrospect, it wasn't that bad. Because, but you were judging it against other things versus like certain other realities that have come into place now. And so the reality is, Georgetown's been so bad now for several years in terms of NCAA tournaments and just wins that, yeah, you look at Asterix's record, it isn't that bad. Like, you'd be glad to take those numbers now, wins in particular, um, especially he was doing it against, you know, a jacked-up Big East, not the, you know, this is obviously a very good conference, but it's not the same, you know, from a historic perspective. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he just got – he. It, you don't want to be the – it's like whoever's going to replace Krzyzewski, that person, if they don't win eight titles, is going to be looked as a failure no matter what happens because the bar is so insanely high. Yeah. Yeah, it was just – yeah, it just, you know, it's uh, – it was an – it was an – I was surprised to find myself. And if you had told, you know, 20-year-old Bobby B that, I'd be like, get out of here. Like, I'm tired of this. Like, I need something different. Um, So can we go over some of the – Twitter questions, guys. Yep. Um, from our sports back yet, uh, does McClung declaring make him the least likely player to get drafted to ever declare? Now, I don't know if that's Georgetown specific or if that's overall. I will say from Georgetown's point of view, if he were to stay in the draft, I think that would probably, he probably would be the, like, the most unlikely player from Georgetown to do it, I would say. Uh, I, without that historical knowledge off the top, top of my head, uh, again, if he has a legitimate reason to stay in the draft, if he wants to you know, make money right away, blah, 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 there's no way he's getting drafted by an NBA team. It's just not happening. But if he wants to go through the process and ultimately jump to Europe, I, I, I can't really fault him for it. I can't fault any kid for for doing it. Um, he does have talent. He's not like, you know, some walk-on declaring for the draft who would be very, you know, very questionable decision there. I, I just think that McClung, he's doing it for the right reasons, I think. I, I, again, I, I'd be completely flabbergasted if he's not with the Hoyas next season. Uh, he's definitely not the – I mean, in terms of college basketball broadly, definitely much, 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 much worse guys have declared. Right. I'd have to look – you'd have uh, – Georgetown, I'd have to think about it, and Bobby is the one with the historic brain. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, ultimately I think, <laughs> you know, again, if we were under normal times and, and, and this came up and, and Bobby said, hey, do we want to have a podcast? They're like, sure, something to kill time. This is really thank thank you, Mac McClung, for giving us all something to focus on and talk about. And I think, like as fun as it is, I think it really is just for me that, like, okay, cool, we get to talk about something that isn't just about what's happening outside our houses. <laughs> I don't, I'm not too worried about about him uh, taking off. Yeah, so I think Georgetown's been pretty good about this. They haven't haven't had to deal with this a whole lot. I mean. Victor Page came out, you know, was he better than what Matt McClung is now? Yeah. I, yeah. I think absolutely. so. Um, so he didn't get drafted, obviously. Uh, DSR flirted with the draft and then came back and kind of tried to play point guard for Georgetown, which didn't work out very well, which is probably, I mean, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the position for McClung in the NBA, right? Point guard? Uh, I mean, from a size perspective, but – I don't know. I'm like, I think the thing is going to be, if he really, really, really wants it to, to, to be considered, he's obviously going to have to make shots. Um, again, he's, I don't know if he can stand in front of anybody. I mean, he struggled in the Big East, let alone the NBA. But, again, if you put the athleticism with the energy and he can make 35% or up of his threes, it probably, probably needs to make a higher number than that. Um, you know, then the idea of him being on the court regardless, you know, it would be tough to have him out there with another six-foot guard, but you know, the way the NBA is going these days, open court, up and down, you know, guys putting up threes. Um, I don't even know if that matters anymore. Mentality-wise, that's not him at all. So, so, I, mean, so I, I don't even think, like, him trying to be a point guard is even, like, borderline feasible. 
But I just bring it up. To, 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 to the question, I mean, would he be the least likely? I whatever. I completely no. Completely not. I mean, he, I could totally see should McClung get drafted at some point. He hits the weight room. He works on his shot. Works on his quickness, defense, decision making. I could see him have games where he puts up, you know, double digits in scoring and and becomes a fan favorite somewhere. Totally. Okay. Um, moving along in what is kind of a related question. Um, I know none of us are are closely following recruiting, but Brandon Murray is, by all accounts, a pretty underrated prospect that's still out there. He's a local guy, which is my big thing, if you include Baltimore as being local, and I will for the purposes of Kente Corner. Um, he's a bigger shooting guard from Maryland. If McClung were to leave, this seems like the guy they got to have. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good – he seems like a pretty good fit, even if McClung is you know staying – but I think he becomes absolutely a top priority if McClung goes. Uh, Andrew, have you been paying attention to Brandon Murray at all? Not really. I mean, you know, you know my stance on recruiting. Chips fall where they may. There's no <laughs> sense in really thinking or trying to get in the head of these kids or um, who's pushing these kids to various places. If the kid winds up at Georgetown, like you have to, you have to want to come to Georgetown. There's usually some sort of relationship that the staff has with someone in the kids camp. Um, I totally agree with you that we need to start making inroads locally. Um, That was something that Ewing emphasized in his very first press conference that I'm sure you both were at, which really hasn't happened yet. And um, yeah, so if he wants to come, great, but uh, I'm not losing any sleep over it. So, Matt Rosenthal, or he actually responded to Policy Ben, not Ben, not our Ben, but Policy Ben. When will things get better for Georgetown and for humanity? Ben? I'm not prepared, I'm not prepared to answer big questions like that for either of those things. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Hopefully humanity before Georgetown. Well, I think uh, they kind of fall in hand. <laughs> Well, humanity means we can leave our house at some point. Georgetown, I think we already established next year is going to be rough. So if we have to kick that can down the road till 2021-22, I'm hoping I can leave my house before then. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, uh, you know, with, with regards to the Georgetown deals in general, you know, look, the, the, the grad transfer market in particular, you know, I mean, like uh, you know, I saw GW just signed some guy that was had been at Syracuse and Vanderbilt. As a grad transfer, uh, you know, not not the best of players are based on the minutes and things, but like you know, the, Georgetown's gonna have to find guys like that. So I mean, it, you know, it, if we assume McClung stays, they they kind of have like a, a starting five ish, right? But they have the depth is non-existent that we can feel pretty good about. So they've got to get some pieces in place, and that that starting five is not saying it's like a title starting five. That's just they have five guys that we're familiar with that are you know shown to be pretty reasonable. So, like, yeah, I mean, they've got to get some other pieces, whether it's, you know, the freshman or grad transfers or whatever. Like, if you want to see an immediate turnaround, that's going to have to happen. And, uh, you know, I don't know where things stand on that front. I mean, the whole grad transfer thing, uh, you know, I'm sure like everything else in society has got to be in a weird spot right now. Um, But, uh, you know, there's some activity out there. Yeah, look, I think um, just on the transfer thing, that, that Harvard point guard, he's still out there, right? He hasn't committed anywhere. Right. I think his name is. You know, that's a kid where you could really say, look, you're going to play. Look what look what Terrell Allen did for us last year. Here are the keys to the offense. You're going to play 35 minutes a game, and we'll go as far as you take us. That's attractive. The thing is, these kids who you know want to leave Harvard and then go somewhere else, well, they're not going to Duke. You know, Duke has kids already. They're not going to UNC. UNC's got kids already. They're not going to Kentucky. I mean, Georgetown, I think, would be a perfect landing spot for a kid like him, um, given our need for a point guard. And um, I, I haven't I haven't seen his list. I'm not sure I've seen Georgetown associated with him, though. I, I'd have to check. But to me, he would be probably the ideal uh, grad transfer um, for us for next season. 
and then you can get kids like Brandon Murray and whatnot to fill wing positions. The craziest part about all this is if McClung were to go and play in the G League or wherever he would end up is I don't think a lot of people would have would have predicted it before the season, but Javon Blair would end up starting as a senior, a player that I thought during Kenner League last summer would probably, maybe he should leave because there's just a million guys. Is Javon Blair's on, on pace to be a 1,000-point scorer? <laughs> he's had a 30-point game. Um, you know, he's probably going to start regardless if McClung comes back. I don't know. But when you look of all the things that have happened since Patrick Ewing got there, the constants have been Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair. And I feel like we don't talk about them a whole ton, but those have been the anchors, right? Well, look, you'll have plenty of time to talk about them next season. (laughs) You, you, you and your anchors. Am I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, and that <laughs> says a lot about the program right now. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot to uh, to to consider. Um, I, you know what? I mean, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, I, I it's hard to even just think ahead. I mean, as I'm dealing with covering the. Uh, the local NFL team and some with the wizards and like trying to like figure out like what, you know, what, what to, what to make sense of anything. And the uh, Georgetown situation is a little more uh, settled in the sense of like the season's over. Now you're just waiting for the off season, but there's some recruiting and that's always an up in the air thing regardless. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how does, you know, how do any of us know what's, uh, what's going to happen? I, I will even say on the year tape in front of, and I assume he's going to leave regardless, but like I said, it is an interesting situation. If, you know, uh, you know, do you want to stay where things are a little more stable or not? Again, I'm assuming he's 90% gone, but, you know, nobody, when we had these conversations a month ago, nobody was predicting a worldwide pandemic. So, you know, who knows what that potentially does to anybody. And that's actually one of the last things Ewing said um, up at Madison Square Garden was, you know, he, he didn't give an answer about your seven, but he said, look, you know, who knows what the world's going to be like. And in that moment, that was before we went out to the bar and saw Rudy Gobert and, you know, all the things that were happening. That seems like three months ago. It was like two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. But, yeah, that that definitely could affect Omir playing overseas, right, in one of those leagues. I mean, I think Italy has one of the better basketball leagues in the country or in the world. That place has obviously been hit just as hard as anywhere else. Um, Yeah, there's all kinds. Presumably, presumably if college basketball is back on, the leagues around the world are back on. So then it's not necessarily a bigger deal, but like, it's just a matter of deadlines and timing. And, you know, I don't know if you're a student athlete at some point, you have to be in school, even if basketball's not on and they restart school, like, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I'm assuming he's gone and, um, um, we will, uh, we will see what happens. So yeah, like casual, honestly, I, honestly, I, honestly, I'm, I'm more concerned right now about the NFL season. That would be a, a killer if that is somehow postponed or canceled and whatnot, especially here in New Orleans where all we have are the Saints. Um, I'm not sure how people would really get on with their lives if that happened, given the current state of well, affairs I, with the virus here. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are in a tough spot and not to get into that whole thing, but obviously if we're in a situation where you know, the NFL season is even threatened. I mean, I know Kirk Herbstreit came out and said he was uh, uh, thinking that the NFL and college football may not happen. If that happens, I mean, then, you know, then who knows where we're at. And all these all these other things are, you know, um, uh, becoming incredibly, um, you know, even more irrelevant than they are in a big life scheme. But, yeah, if, we, if in three months, like, you know, May, June or whatever, two months or whatever, we're not at least even hinting at getting back to normalcy, then – yeah, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Well, I mean, here's the thing, and let's that, get off Georgetown for a bit, but, like, I guess this goes for sporting events generally. Uh, let's say curves flatten, et cetera, and you start getting back into a normal way of living, you know, sometime this summer. Uh, are people all of a sudden going to want to sit side by side, you know, 75,000 people in a – in an NFL stadium, 
come fall. The Redskins won't have a problem with that. (laughs) The Redskins are practicing social distancing. Anyway. So, so um, I, 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 in that in that sense, uh, to just to promote something, uh, if you're if you're into Georgetown, <laughs> maybe you're into DC sports. But we just put up all Sunday night a survey. Some of us put together about I took it. Well, it's essentially about D, the DC sports team. But one of the questions is how has or how do you think this coronavirus situation will impact your interest in attending sporting events? Because obviously that is a big deal. But right now we can't be around 50 people. Let alone 10,000, 20,000, 70,000. So, um, you know, hopefully sure. no, but uh, you know, certainly it's going to be, for some people, it's going to be like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I can only imagine that if Chris Grossi were still with Georgetown, he would have some sort of entertaining social distancing attendance thing, you know, putting fans in every, like, seat or something like that, which frankly really wouldn't change much for Georgetown games anyway. But anyway. Didn't um, I say, Bobby, did I say this on a podcast or just to you that I thought the biggest loss Georgetown's had in recent time was Chris Grassi? Absolutely. Um, I think we were talking about it offline. Uh, well, well, happy I said well, it online. But, the weird yeah, thing I mean, is, is that they don't seem to, like, the weird thing is that they didn't, like, replace him, the best I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you have fun with the coronavirus when it says, "Hey, come, come, hang out." Because that's a that's a bit much. But if anybody could have at least a, an attempt at a playful uh, way, it would, it would be him. Um, but uh, yeah. All right, so let's. Uh, I mean, I guess we're done with the McClung stuff. We're gonna soldier on on the site with the madness and sadness brackets. Um, I hope there's no other. Bad news as far as Georgetown's concerned. Maybe we get a commitment uh, from a grad transfer or a, uh, a high school kid in the upcoming days or weeks, and um, we will certainly be back here to discuss. Uh, uh, as far as I go, just everyone stay stay safe out there. Wash your damn hands. Um, that's really all I got. Do you guys want to? I have I have an administrative question. When does this become season two of Kente Corner? I think Kenner League, if that ever happens, which it probably won't, would signify. Well, the, isn't that isn't that something that you were you were advocating for? Well, just in the sense that it's it's kind of a natural. If you're turning the page, you know, to look at this upcoming season, Kenner League is generally the the first chapter. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, when season two of Kente Corner would start, I would say that would be kind of the uh, the entree into it. But I, I don't know if we're going to get that this year. I, actually, I, I'd be surprised if it does happen. And since Uber Conference is letting, there's unlimited time, we've gone way over what we normally do. If anyone's still listening, I, I would like to continue the Kente Corners. And please feel free to email or, you know, Twitter, you know, Twitter ideas, questions, or something you want to hear. Um, I'm going to keep bugging Andrew and Ben to come on so we can keep talking. Yeah. I know I've been listening to more podcasts recently because I don't have shit to do. So I would my, like to keep my schedule is open. <laughs> I would like to keep, yeah, I, got nothing to talk. I would like to keep these rolling, even though we're not always going to have Mac McClung testing the NBA water type level of, uh, you know, important topics. But so everyone out there, hit us up. So we can keep them coming. I want to yeah, go you know, back and do a rest. We should be getting some. Uh, we should be getting some scheduling news at least, right? I mean, those those tend to uh, pop up. Yeah. This time of year, so we'll be in those will be uh, on the radar screen for sure. I'm sure at some point you're going to do retrospectives on different players or different moments. I'm here for the Caprio, for the time when the year started and Caprio was in the rotation and he had to play. I'm here for that one. I think the John Caprio game is part of the uh, madness bracket. Caprio would have averaged 15 minutes a game on this last team after all the transfers happened. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know what? That'd be a fun bracket. You guys should do a walk-on bracket because George Mirasan, I mean, he hit some free throws. He sealed the the win. You got Caprio. You you know, you got some other uh, fan favorites. Uh, I think think a a walk-on bracket could be fun. 
It's like a ratings bonanza. <laughs> it, yeah. it might be family and friends, but still. <laughs> I don't want people to social distance themselves from the pod. I have plenty of ideas. I'll, I'll, I'll send them your way, but I'll wait till we get off. Okay. I'm just hoping this podcast is being recorded since you're right. This has gone on way longer than normal. It has. It has. Hopefully it doesn't break SB Nation's um, website. But uh, Kente Corner, again, as always, a casual Hoya podcast. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I am at Bobby Bancroft, Andrew Geiger, Ben Standig. Guys? Always yeah, a pleasure. See you next time. Hoya Saxo. See you. Thank you.